Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bloodthirsty Pugs podcast. If you're wondering what the heck Bloodthirsty Pugs even means, uh, feel free to stop by episode one of this podcast. We have a little bit of an origin story there to explain it. But uh, TLDR, uh, it doesn't really mean anything. It just sounds kind of cool. Today, we're going to talk about that age-old debate, boomers versus millennial. Aaron Collins is a boomer, and he's going to tell us why millennials suck. Hey, so guys, I'm officially broke. I've got two cashier's check checks with uh, his the guy's name's Ken, so it's specifically Ken's 16.2. Like, <laughs> you're not broke. Not shut, mine, shut up. No, it's it's as of now. No, I'm, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not broke. You're lying. He's trying to make Dang himself. Cash. He's trying to make himself not one of the one percent. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Honestly. Uh, doesn't I don't feel any different. Do you and Amanda have savings? Yep. Okay. That's, well, that's my guessing, plan by all the rules. You're not broke. <laughs> <laughs> hey Vince, how do how do you know if you're a millennial? Um, I don't know. Is this a joke? How do you know if you're a millennial? Yeah, I just made it up. Just okay. put a shovel in your hand and see what happens. Hey Aaron, you're talking past your mic right now. Just a heads up. I know. You have it like Crap. beside your eye. There you go. Uh, see, I'm hiding behind the microphone. That was going to be a pretty good joke, but I don't know if anybody heard it. <laughs> it's all right. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> Can't use Z's anymore. <laughs> what, your hands? You're saying millenn- yeah. millennials can't use their hands? It's like Ron Burgundy, like, off of Anchorman. Like, what, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like... Yep, that's from Talladega Nights. Like, you got guys, Vince, with, like, baby smooth hands. Just so soft, man. Like, like smoother than a baby's bottom. He's, he's They haven't seen a callus <laughs> in, in, in a lifetime. They probably don't know what a callus is. He's picking, they probably go to the doctor. <laughs> he's picking at it. All right. I think we know what we're going to talk about today. So, um, we've had this... Aaron and I have had this discussion in the past, and I'm sure, Vince, you and Aaron have had this discussion in the past. And it's usually almost a debate kind of thing. I actually don't and, think Aaron and I have ever talked about this. Oh, this this will be fun then. So I'm going to title this episode, Okay, Boomer. And that is because <laughs> of Aaron's idea uh, behind this. He, Aaron is the boomer, even though he's technically, I think, a millennial and he's within <laughs> that generation. But I'm, I'm racist against millennials. I'm racist against myself. Yeah, he's yeah, so prejudiced. Because you, you, you are definitely a millennial. Yeah, I'm like David. Ch- you guys ever seen that thing, David Chappelle, when he was a blind black person, but he thought he was white, but he was racist against black people. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one. I think. Okay. Yeah. So, so Aaron, even though he's our age, he sounds just like my dad a lot of times, and it's fun to talk to, funny to talk to him about this kind of stuff. So, Aaron, if you want, you can uh, go on, go on your little rant, get your, give your opinion on millennials here, so Vince and I can hear you out and uh, give our opinion on it. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll give you guys a little. I give you a little uh, snapshot here. I so think today's millenn- cult. So let's let's define what a millennial is. So a millennial is a. I'll define it for you. Let's define like let's define actually <laughs> the actual the, definition. <laughs> the range, the definition. So a millennial is just a term for anybody that was born between the years of 1982 and 2000, I believe. 1982 so, and 2000. So that would put people between it's between 20 years old and about 37 years old right now. 
So, okay. all right. So, so what do you, what you, do you wanna, think, what do you think about this age demographic, Aaron? I think we were created. Um, it's something we didn't ask for, but it's something we also do have a choice to correct. I think we've been neutered. Um, men today, we don't know. We don't know any manual labor anymore. We don't know what it feels like to to sweat, to be sore. We don't know what it feels like to actually do a hard day's labor, to be able to be resourceful, mechanical, to be able to uh, own a house and actually be able to do things and not have to call a plumber, carpenter, electrician, like actually do it yourself. Um, we just don't do it anymore. We, we never, we just, we started that way. My other thing with, uh, thing with a, a college and high school, man, everyone, all of these advisors caught off like, hey, don't go to trade, don't go trade, like. Go to college, go to college. And that's what we did. And I think that's what that's what it started at all. And I got more about stop there. Okay, so where are you getting this information? Like, so why do you think My that people that, okay, it's your opinion that people in this age group don't work with their hands and they don't know how to do trade skills like plumbers and electricians. So by your, by your statement, then I should be able to research and find that there are many less plumbers and nutritions in our generation and millennial generation than there were in previous generations. You might find something. Well, guess what? I did a little bit of research before this because uh, <laughs> because Dustin told me this conversation was coming. Um, so trade skills like plumbers, electricians, and the, the millennial era... <laughs> <laughs> have all grown by more than a factor of 15% than either Generation X or the baby boomer generation before them. So there's actually more millennial plumbers, more millennial electricians, more millennial um, carpenters. Um, uh, you're not wrong that college was really pushed heavily on our generation, but there's plenty of us that work in trade skill. There's no shortage of millennials that are working in construction right now. There's no shortage of millennials that are working as car as auto well, mechanics. Um, we'll look at this at a fifteen percent or whatever, or the fifteen percent increase in trade work. Okay, we take all the millennials in the country. That number, okay, divide it now, or or take out of all the electricians, how many are millennials versus uh, traditional or non-college or non non-trade or whatever. Well, most of them, I mean, are millennials because this is we're talking about the age 20 to 37 age range here. So this is like the primary working years. Um, anybody older, Gen X people are older than 37. They're getting their 40s. Boomers are getting into their 60s and 70s now and they're getting ready to retire. So, of course, in any trade, if you look at a bell curve of what the age um, – disparity is you're going to see a high bell, bell curve in your mid 20s to you know late 30s because this is like this is our prime we're in our prime right now it's the prime of our lives so this is when you're going to see a lot of people in this age group that are working naturally because this is where millennials at, are at in life but i failed to find any evidence that suggests that um as a generation we've somehow forgotten how to use our hands or forgotten how to be masculine or do manual labor you for for certain individuals sure you find that our generation saw the birth of video games so you had people you know you hear about those basement we had world wide web started in our time um year 2000 y2k 
technical technology smartphone. technology the sega smartphone like yes we got a dose of it man but now uh, so what i would say checkbook, is that map calendars like so i would say and is i'm that guilty our, too i would say our generation has experienced a disintegration of the family unit the closeness less and less marriages are um, staying together now more and more marriages are ending in divorce more families are separated um these smartphones and things like that video games all these media distractions serve to separate families um so i, I would definitely agree that our generation is experiencing that but when you talk about from just a you know working with your hands and 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 you know being able to do manual labor and stuff like that i've found no evidence to suggest that as a what? generation that we're lacking in that way um as far as evidence goes for that isn't there is something there i don't know if this is millennial or if it's just in in all generations but um in my school i'm a teacher so in my school there's a lot of talk about how we don't have enough trades people like that there's a really big push right now in our state to try to get our kids to actually go into and learn how to become an electrician or a plumber and all these trade skills because the boomers pushed our generation so hard to go to college that now we have all these mm-hmm. college graduates who have marketing degrees who don't know what to do with them or like a philosophy degree or whatever. Um, no, liberal we arts. Have, we don't have anybody who knows how to do electrician stuff. So I actually find myself at school like urging my kids, don't go to college and get all this debt. You're a good welder. Go weld. You'll make good money. So is there something there maybe? Like maybe it's not just millennials, but there, there is some sort of shortage in trade labor. And that very, that very well could be. Um, our generation was definitely pushed heavily to go to college. And, you know, when I was a teacher, because I used to be a teacher once upon a time, um, you know, I never told my kids, you know, go to college or don't go to college. I did say if you do go to college, be, be prepared to be in a lot of debt, um, especially in the future, as it just seems to get more and more expensive. Um, but I said, make sure you understand that trades are an option and that you can still make a decent living doing a trade and you can still live a fulfilled life. You don't like it was impressed upon us, you have to go to college or else your life's you're gonna live this life of poverty and shambles right. and and that's well, not true. Let me at tell all. Well, let, let me tell you where my passion lies. All right. I realize there's hope for the millennial. I have I have so much encouragement to give on this. Think about this. The type of person that we could become. We are now educated. We went to school to learn how to learn or to are at a higher level education, as well as being totally spoon-fed information. World Wide Web got launched. YouTube, Khan Academy, like anything you want to find out, anything you want to learn, anything you want to do is at your, at, your, at your fingertips. You take that millennial with knowing the technology and knowing how to work the internet, add some mechanical, tactile, troubleshooting hands-on skills, there's no excuses. And matter of fact, this is, we're talking about the next generation. What you can hand to your kid is a high, highly educated parent who didn't lose their roots. I think we're more, we could be more balanced than ever. But why do, we, why do we need to hand things to our kids if knowledge is so accessible, though? Like, if it's so easy for us to learn, like, right now, I could go and learn how to change the alternator in my car by watching a YouTube video, and I could learn it really quick. And granted, I have, I have the savviness to use my hands, but my kids would be able to do the same things. 
No, you're right about that. But here's the thing. We have to figure out how much technology we're going to keep and how much of the old fashioned sort of sort of say we're going to we're, we're going to also keep. Man, I got to got to say Aaron does sound like a boomer. And it's it's funny cuz you've been working on cars for what uh 4 months now. About how long I've been straight blading. <laughs> <laughs> so so Aaron is exhibiting this um what psychologists call this um this generational gap. So what happens with every new generation is that technology improves. And it improves across the board in all areas. And it makes everything easier, always of life. Even even trade skills are easier now than they were a few generations ago because of technology. So even if you are a carpenter or a plumber, um, there's two new technologies being invented that make that job easier today than it was a generation ago. And I think this is a little bit of a logical fallacy is just to have the idea that because it's easier for the new generation, that that new generation must somehow, oh, well, in my day, it was harder. So that means that I'm a better person. This new generation is softer because you guys... Just because you worked harder doesn't mean you're better. But research shows that new generations are smarter. They're more technologically savvy. Um, So... I hope. We're working... The new generations are working smarter, not harder. But they still are accomplishing the same tasks. Um, So then I propose this then. Work smarter and harder. Make sure you use the mic, Aaron. I'm right on it. <laughs> okay. Work harder and smarter. There we go. <laughs> well, you don't have to work as hard when technology makes the job easier. And there's a certain there's a certain level of aggression and it's and it's it's been shown not just between like boomers and millennials. This has gone back to when you look at before boomers. Um, when boomers were our age, when they were young, when boomers were in their 20s, they had the generation before them, which, if I'm not mistaken, was called the greatest generation, I think. Um, we're talking, yeah, ni- we're talking yeah, late 1920s, 1930s. These are the people that lived through the Great Depression. They and, fought in World War II. And they fought in World War II. And then they had boomers. Wrote the book on pain. And then they had, the boom, they had boom, baby boomers in this era, post-World War II era, where we were actually in a lot of economic prosperity. And so that was still the attitude back then. All these people that lived through all these horrible wars and the Depression, some people living through World War I and World War II and the Great Depression, they would look at a boomer that grew up in this economic prosperity, this time of technological boom. Um, television had just come out. like So television was like getting to the point where it was like a household item and kids were just starting to watch TV. Uh, my dad as a generation – no, my, my dad's a boomer actually. He's a – He's a young boomer, but he's still a boomer. Um, he started learning, like, they had arcades when he was a kid, so he used to go to arcade, and that's when video games came up, coming up. So the generation before my dad, my grandparents' generation, my great-grandparents' generation, they looked at boomers and was like, look at these lazy kids. They're sitting around. They're watching TV. It's melting their brains. Like Those hippies in mm-hmm. Woodstock. Yep. Look how <laughs> soft. Look how soft they are. These... And, and then they go and fight in wars like, you know, there's a Cold War and there's Desert Storm, which, were, you know, they weren't quite as uh, horrible, like but, nearly but, as horrible as were the World Wars, you know. So like even but though- Vince, don't you think, don't you think something was missed there? Don't you think like, so you got these hardcore World War II vets, um, civilians, man. Maybe something got missed when it got passed down to their kids. Maybe they said, don't have this life. This sucks. So they don't have that life and that gets handed down and that gets handed down and that gets handed down. 
This is called progress. And I think it's wrong. I mean, it's, it's happened. It happens every generation. It'll happen to our generation. We're going to get older. And then, you know, Gen Z is the, gen, the younger generation below us. And there's going to be more generations. We're going to look at younger generations below us. And I'm going to actively try not to not do this, not exhibit this always always being angry at the younger generation because technology makes it easier and always assuming, oh, their generation is worse because when I was a kid, you know, the internet wasn't around yet and I didn't have cell phones yet and, it, and my life was harder. So I, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to not hate on the younger generations, but a lot of us, a lot of us millennials will, will hate on the younger generations because their lives have become even easier. And I think it's just this you, thing that happens. You know what? I think, Dustin, let me know what you think about this. Mm-hmm. Let's talk on the terms of resourcefulness. All right. Kid doesn't go to college or whatever. Kid's growing up. Little Johnny's one. He's now 18. He now kick him out of the house. Is he prepared? Is he resourceful for all aspects of life? Or is he not? I think it depends what path he's on. I mean, if you've got a kid who doesn't have any skills, he's not really heading in any direction then yeah he needs to be resourceful like if he if if you don't have a kid who's like really good with technology really good with computers or something like that then it's kind of clear okay maybe he's not maybe there's an indicator there if he's not going to be as successful because that's like what everything is computers nowadays so maybe that kid needs to be more resource, resourceful and be able to um save a few bucks by changing the alternator himself and all those things, do it yourself to save money because you didn't take those other skills. But I think that the advantage that a lot of millennials have and the next generation after us is that they can pursue technology. They can use that time to pursue something that will make them enough money where they don't have to know how to change an alternator because they got plenty of money to pay somebody else to do it. But you know what, though? As long as they did. Now, eventually, I'm not going to be doing all backbreaking work, right? I'm eventually on an upward continuum, up upward uh, journey. I'm eventually not going to do that anymore. But now we're going to the second point. Okay, we're resourceful because when we don't have money, we have to find ways to get get money. You go back in the old school day. You go, you you be poor, right? And you want to work. And they say, well, what's your skills? The more skills you had, the better. You could do any job and get paid, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we got that down. Now let's go here. What about this? The capacity to serve. So at the end of the day, you're all well-rounded. Yeah, you can change a tire. You can paint. You can paint a wall. Uh, you could change an outlet. Um, you could do all these basic things. What about the capacity to serve, to help others? If you can only do just one thing, you'll have, you're only, uh, you only have a capacity for one thing. Now, I'm not saying everyone can do, can do, can do just only one thing, but you get the, you get the, the idea. So I want to go back to your point about being prepared for life. Um, so as a teacher, um, I took a very interesting class on uh, the history of education in America. So we started in basically 1776 when there were no established laws or regulations at all around educating children. Generally, children grew up on farms. Um, they just worked as farm hands for the parents. Mortality rates in children were very high, so people would have a lot of kids and some of them would die and some but yeah some of them would survive and they'd grow up and they'd work the farm and then eventually this education system was established and they started you know sending kids to school 
And even as late as like the late 1800s, 1899, even the early 1900s, early 20th century, if you go back to like the year 1900, uh, about 40% of this, of the American population were illiterate as adults. They couldn't read. They could not read. Um, and now, I mean, we're practically, we're pretty much up to 100% literacy rate as adults in America, with the exception of maybe a few homeless families or something like that that have totally missed out on the school system. But as far as education and preparing people for an adult life, I mean, every generation has done better. We've, from the beginning of the 20th century to now, we've grown leaps and bounds. And we are now more more prepared for adult life than ever. Children now grow up with more marketable skills now than ever any generation of the past. I mean, that's just research proven fact. Yeah, I mean, jobs got created. Um, technology advanced, created jobs, created a demand, created a need. Um, Destroyed some jobs responded. too. Destroyed. Like the coal, coal mines, which Trump promised, promised to bring back. I won't get, I won't get political, but. Mm-hmm. All I know is this, Vince, Dustin. What I see around me is pretty convincing. Yes, it's all based on my perception, what I see. I've done no, no research, but I know this. You see something long enough, it starts to trend. You're like, hmm. And luckily, the good thing about me being a narcissist, this is uh, one of the good things about it. It shows me what I am going to do with myself and my son. Well, I think well, um, I think I have some questions to ask you, Aaron, because it'll help. It sounds like, I think some clarifying questions. It sounds like you think that to be well-rounded and prepared for life, you need to be able to do, you need to be able to change an outlet. You need to be able to uh, change a tire, all those types of things. Is that true? Uh, yes, and I'll explain. In my opinion... If you can do those basic things, I'm sure there's a study on this. You could save yourself thousands just by doing those basic things. Maybe anything past that, you know what? You might have to pay a professional that they went to school for it. They went to trade. Sure. But there's this basic level of entry for life, which you know what is, I don't know what it is. Um, That's up for debate where I think you need to have it. Mm -hmm. I think... I think I agree with that, um, but I think that those things that they should be able to do are very minimal. Like, I don't think changing an outlet is something that I would expect anybody to know how to do. That's that's an advanced skill, in my opinion. Um, I mean, changing a tire, yeah, because you're going to get stuck on the side of the road if you're driving a car. But if we think about the future, um, you know, self-driving cars are in the future and all of that type of stuff. So knowing how to change a tire might be a useless skill in the future, or might be something that comes in handy every once in a, in a weird time. So what I would say, another question I would ask Aaron is if there's a millennial right now, say, or say there's a 20 year old kid right now and he's got two hours of free time every night, would you rather him spend that two hours learning how to change outlets or work on cars and those sort of things, or use that two hours to learn programming? Now we're getting on the point of time and money and money and time. So would you, I work a a Monday through Friday job. Um, I went to school for that job and that job gives me income. Um, What is my time worth? When I'm at home, I'm not making money because I'm not at work. So what do I want to do with my home life? What do I want to do with my home time? So 
I did, uh, for example, I'll dedicate it to changing that outlet, fixing the door, working on the car. But that's time away from family. Now, how much time is that going to take me? I'm not a professional, right? I'm mm-hmm. just diving into this. Right. Professional could probably do it in two hours. It's going to take me four. I could go back to my job right now and work X amount of hours. And it's something I could do effortlessly as that mechanic could do it effortlessly for my car. And I could pay that man or woman and they'd fix my car. And we'd be uh, and we'd call it a done deal. But as I've discussed with you before, Aaron, like these skills, you've just recently got into really working on cars. You haven't been doing it very long. Um, just cars, yeah. Other things, I've, yeah. yeah. But it's a skill that you decided that you wanted to do, and you're pursuing it for your own enjoyment. I mean, it brings you joy to, to be able to do this. And the idea that you're somebody that can fix your own problems, like f- can fix your own car, to fi- that can fix your own house, that in you, just because of who you are as a person and your personality, that gives you a sense of validation. Where if you mm-hmm. were in you you feel a sense of value and you feel a sense of worth if you can fix your own car and you feel a sense of higher value if you can if you can change your outlet or fix a thing f- fix things in your house and that's you know one of the things where the, your sense of value comes from and that's that's perfectly valid for you um, but it might not be that case for everybody no if you don't have a servant's heart um, because my my opinion is yes a, there's a great re- reward in validating by doing something yourself because there's a certain level of self-sufficiency you create and sometimes you need. And I'm not going to lie, my, past, my childhood experience has really echoed into this current, my current life because my dad did so much. Man, I walk in his shadow and I, I could have learned so much. So there's a little bit of regret that I, uh, I have with that that I'm going to be making up for currently, right now. Yeah, but I, I have that too with my mom, actually. She was... <sighs> She was just your mom was very handy, superhuman in terms of what she could do. You know? We all have that in common. My dad was the same way. Um, but I would also add, I mean, Aaron, you said that you feel that way because you have a servant's heart. So like people who don't have a servant's heart might not find value in that. And I, I would argue that people, somebody could spend all their time learning how to do programming, design websites, create video games. Uh, pr- and never whatever. help a damn person. No, they could help anybody like if i knew how to create awesome websites i could have built ac sounds website which i actually did a couple times i could have done uh jackson recordings website i could have done be somebody media's website um all my friends around me in fact my cousin she's a a lawyer and i did her website for her for free and i helped her out Mm -hmm. because she was just getting started so that was a skill that you know me knowing how to change an alternator would has not come up in my life other than i don't know how to do that myself you know what though though? That I would say that is a very high level of servitude. Not anyone can do that. Like if I was delegating, I need my yard fixed, I'd take somebody who doesn't have like a three PhDs. No, I'd grab somebody who's very physically strong, mechanically handy, and put them to do that job. Like maybe right now for you, that's a very high end level of servitude if we're gonna grade it. Um Well, I'm a tech that's- nerd, you know, and I'm a PC nerd and I've found in my life, I've been able to be of service, especially I call myself the IT guy of my family because anytime anybody in my family has a problem with their computer, a problem with their technology, they reach out to me. I'm also a good writer. So I've had friends where, you know, they were take they were at school and they were taking some advanced high medical degree that I knew nothing about, but I was still able to write their senior capstone paper because, uh, you know, um, 
I was, well, I was, I, I acted as an editor. Let's just say that. I didn't write the paper for them, but I acted as, a, as, as an editor. So I was able to go in and cor- correct grammar and make sure the whole thing flowed really well. So I was able to use my technological and my nerdy smarts, if you will, will but I was, I was still <laughs> able to be a servant in those cases. So The question I ask is, does it stop there? And that's where I'm at. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to stop. Um, I've had a, I've had a handicap for a long time right now in my life. And now that I'm on uh, all eight cylinders, I'm playing a little catch up. And this is my own, my own journey. Well, I don't think it stops. It starts or stops anywhere. It just depends on the per- person. We all have different gifts. We all have different skills. And if we use those skills to serve other people, well, then there you go. You have a servant's heart. If you only use those skills to serve yourself, then you don't. I mean, you could have a guy that knows how to work on cars and knows how to work on home improvement and everything, but he never lifts a finger to go and help anybody else. He only does that to improve his own house or his own car. And then... Totally agree. Totally agree. I I agree with that. Um, But I would add, like, I mean, Aaron, you said that those skills are like high, high value skills, like knowing how to do the website and programming and all that stuff. So... Because not everyone can do it, so wouldn't it make sense? Well, that not not everybody working, can. Not everybody can work on a car, but or change an outlet either. What I'm saying, I, I, I get your point. What yeah. I'm saying though is that Aaron, wouldn't your time be better spent learning programming? Because if programming is a higher value skill than those other skills, shouldn't you be doing that? Like, since you make the money that you make, you have the career that you have. You. <laughs> Again, I agree with what you guys said earlier. Everybody should do what they, they're drawn to do, what you feel passionate about. But if we're just talking just bottom dollar logic here, let's look at the value of things. Like you're learning how to change to, to work on cars. To me, that's beneath you. And I'm not saying that somebody who works on cars is beneath you, but like you have a high education and you're able to pay somebody to do that crap for you. You should do that. Pay them to do that work and then use that spare time to learn a skill that's worth $500 an hour. Because you're set up to do that. I, I see what you're cooking. I smell what you're cooking. And there's that's there's, there's a lot of logic in that. I just say this, like, there's always a self-serving portion of this. Like, trust me, I'm not going to do something I don't want to do and I don't like doing. And believe it or not, that would be the most selfless, most sacrificial thing that you could do. Something that you don't benefit from, something you don't enjoy, and it's totally selfless. Well, since I'm human and I'm narcissistic and I'm, and I'm passionate and I am uh, goal-directed and I'm driven, there's a self-serving aspect. Now, mm-hmm. to make it just and justified, all right, why don't I serve somebody so I don't feel completely like an asshole? Right. And I think so I that's, make- with this whole debate, though, that's where, where it lands, I think, is that you can't, can't really give millennials a hard time because most likely what they're learning on their spare time is more valuable than what you're doing. <laughs> mm. I mean and, that's a challenge, and but <laughs> and I want I, I want to really just one more comment about something you said earlier, Aaron, and and I think I'm I think I've pretty much said all I have to say in this matter. But you mentioned earlier, I just got warmed up. <laughs> you you mentioned earlier that you know you have this bias against well basically your peers, other millennials. Um, you said that you didn't do any research on the matter, and you said that you just have this bias because of things that you've seen, your own experience. Um, this is where I think the importance of scientific thinking comes in and the importance of research does come in. I think reading research is very important, especially on things that you might be biased or prejudiced about. Um, because even if you live your life, if you just have this idea instilled in you 
that, you know, millennials are bad or something like that, you know, just something like that. Um, if you, you look at your life through that bias, it's like looking at life through a colored lens. You're going to see everything in that color. And even if the truth is that it's not that way, you're going to see it. You're going to choose to see certain situations tilted towards your bias. It's called confirmation bias, and it's a research-proven um, psychological uh, phenomenon that we're all guilty of, by the way. This is not just you. I mean, every human does this. Every human has confirmation bias. Um, so it's really important that if you have an opinion about like this where you're maybe biased against a generation or you, you have this negative opinion of a group of people, for example, um, you really should do some research and you should find out if you're, what you're thinking is really true or not based on the latest research because you could just be looking at it through a lens of confirmation bias and you could be actually be way off the mark and that'll cause you to live your life in a way where you, you're, you will think and speak negatively about an entire group of people and if you're wrong and you're not speaking truth in that and there's research out there to prove you wrong well, then I'm sorry to say that you kind of become, you, you kind of look like the bad guy when that happens. The asshole? Yeah. I wasn't going to use that word, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> if you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> I do. One thing is we never can stop pursuing truth or, or at least scientific research and pursuing what the facts. Um, you know what? I could even say. I could pretty much tell you what it's already going to be, um, or at least a, a, a good chunk. It could be a pandemic. It could be on the uprising. I know this, though. What I'm saying is truth. Am I speaking in a totality way? I mean, the whole, all of millennials? No. But am I saying is there a good chunk? I mean, a good chunk of those people, including myself, that exist? You bet your ass. Show me the research. Oh, well, look around. But look, my, I mean, look, let me. My point still is. Look around. I, I can go with Aaron there. I can say, okay, yeah, if that's true, that's okay. Because they're doing better things with their time. Like, I don't, I don't think, and it's funny I'm arguing this because I actually live opposite. Like, everything Aaron's saying, I've been, like, I'm learning all about small engines right now. So I'm kind of the opposite. But what I'm, what I'm arguing here is, like, I think that millennials, I think that the, these younger generations have better things to do with their time than learn those things. Like, these are kids that are growing up knowing how to use a smartphone. I mean, my five-year-old just went to his grandma today and said, hey, grandma, your phone's running a little slow. It's because you had too many things open on your phone, so I went ahead and closed all of them, and now it's running faster. So, like, he's already figured out what RAM is, and he's five years old. So that's a kid that him learning how to do all these things with his hands – that doesn't even make sense because the job he's going to work in hasn't even been invented yet. What would we have Elon Musk? Would he be on the factory line putting in parts? No, he's, he's, he's not, he's not useful there or he can't be used the most there. Right. Well, I have my son basically, even though he's a, he's going to be a genius or maybe I don't, whatever, whatever he wants to be, not uh, go to college or, or not go to college and just be mechanical. Absolutely not. What I'm saying is that needs to be part of your roots. It's a foundational thing. So when you do get to the top, you've got a good foundation. I just had, oh, ironically, right? Just, just gassed up at Sunoco. Uh, got 93 gas, nitro gas, and that's a whole different discussion. Guess who rolls up? Um, two, two college kids on a Ford Mustang. It's real loud, right? 
I'm in, I'm in the cars a little bit. Guess what? With my extrovertness, I knew a little bit about cars. I'm buying one of them, actually. We had a long conversation. So who knows? Could have been used for, man, you put me in a group. Maybe if I'm on this kick and I go and go and go, and I'm at a conference and there are 20 people, and I've dived into a lot of things as much as I could within my interest, might make me a pretty good person to talk to and a guy to know. And uh, displaying confidence on, on matters. Yep. So, tearing that veil so between blue collar, blue collar, white collar. So your point there is just learn as much as you can, which I think all of us agree on mm-hmm. that. That's kind of what this podcast is founded on. Like, it's not necessarily specific skills. It's just you should always be learning because anything you Hell learn yeah, will guess you what? in that pre- pre- predicament. I totally agree. And like Vince or you, like when I can help you guys, I'd love to. You're my, you're my brothers. I'd love to help you. And you know what? I'm glad you're good at things that I'm not. I'm glad you're passionate about things that I am not. There's, that's like, so let me really say that clearly. Like, it's awesome that that exists because it creates a great community. It, cr- it creates a place of barter, it, it, uh, of, of servitude within, within, within each other. I love that. Mm-hmm. Here's the difference. Ready? Vince. You're going to help me, with the, help me with the Excel spreadsheet. Maybe you don't do the whole thing, right? Maybe I need, to, I need to pull my weight and say, you know what? I need to watch him do this, or he needs to teach me. I could learn a lot from this. John Brown, electrician. You know how many outlets he changed? And I started to get the pattern like, wait, watch this, learn. I can, like, this guy should only have to do this for me once, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I take that, I'm like, I'm just going to keep harping on the uh, the research and the scientifically based thinking because, you know, you know, Aaron, you said what I know is true because just look around, you know, look around, you see it everywhere. <laughs> well, that's the that's that's the argument of every prejudice everywhere. I mean, you have flat earthers, right? There's still people today that believe the earth is flat. And you know what the argument is? Look, just look at it. Look how flat it is. Mm-hmm. That's the argument. <laughs> um, yeah. You have you have people that are that are racist that say, you know, uh, fact African-Americans are responsible for the majority of the crime in this country. Well, look, look, it's just the facts. Just look at it. But look at Detroit. Look at this you, little small location. Look at this keyhole view. But, but if you don't dig into the research and you don't find out the actual, the actual root causes for why those facts exist and you don't dig deeper into the deeper knowledge, then you're only informed by your own bias. And what you say is truth is just colored. It's not truth. It's just colored by your bias. So you can't say what I... Like I'm, I'm proclaiming truth because I. This is just what I see. Um, mm-hmm. You have to look at actual facts, research. You have to dig deeper to find truth. Truth is not something that's readily apparent. In most cases, it's not. In fact, the more, the more you dig into a subject, the harder it is to find truth. Um, science always honors more questions than answers. Um, and the more deep into science you get, the kind of crazier it gets. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of research into quantum physics, and man, that is. That is a crazy world. I'm not going to get into that. But it's not a readily apparent thing. It's not something that seems like it should make, make sense. But yet, it is true. Um, so truth is not what we see. Um, truth, to find truth, you have to dig deeper. Mm-hmm. I wonder, though, Aaron, I'm curious. You must, have, you must have some experiences pretty regularly where you come in contact with some 20-year-old kid who doesn't know how to do something. Because that's is that Hell what's yeah. informing your well, idea? It's influencing it absolutely. 
Um, so what if you had met older guys? What if you had met 20, the 20 year old version of yourself? I was pathetic. <laughs> I think, I think you were just young. I think the fact is here that that 20 year olds in general, they're not here. Something more powerful. I was shown the mechanical, my dad, and I didn't want it. Yeah. You were immature. I was it's not same. like the fact that I didn't even have it. You were immature. Think, you were you were still a child. I mean, and I don't think sense. that's something to regret. Like, I mean, from what I'm figuring out, how people learn is like, mm -mm. you. I mean, I go to school every day and I try to teach these these twerps this algebra two crap, and they don't take it seriously until the day before grades are due because they realize, oh, I need to learn this now. I need to try. Like, once they're motivated to do it, they learn it. And I think you were Aaron. You were the same as me we weren't motivated to learn it because we didn't have ownership of anything. We didn't have blah, blah, blah. And yes, it would be nice if we could break that cycle in our own kids. Like if I could find a way to convince Odin that like this whole thing we're learning right now, like I'm teaching about composting right now. I don't think he's really grasping it and I don't think he's going to internalize it because who cares about nitrogen and carbon? But I mean, he'll learn eventually when he does care. It's pretty easy to learn now. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I, I just think it's, they're going to need it. Um, I, have a, I have a theory, not a theory, but I'm going to do this for my son, for me and, for me and mine. For everything that you're going to own, you must be a good steward of it. And if you want a car and you want it that bad and you want my help to get that car, you're going to go on my, my way of doing it. So in my mind... And this is how I ran my business. This is how I, I ran AC Sound. Unless you can tell me, or I, I even did this in, in, med in uh, medicine. Unless you can tell me exactly what you're doing, how this machine works, how this device works, how to fix it, the problems that can go wrong, I'm not convinced that you are ready for what you're asking. So cars, brakes, calibers, engine, transmission, like maintenance, guitar, a guitar etiquette, how to hold a guitar, how to clean your hands before you touch the guitar. Um, all these basic things, there's, there's going to be criteria. So are you suggesting that um, before you're going to allow your son to have a car that you, he needs to be a certified licensed car mechanic? No, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, a fucking reporter? I just... Uh, I don't know. That seemed like the direction you were going there. Um, it's not like a newscaster off of a, a, a Trump. I uh, just I, asking those dumbass. I don't know, it's, it, it seemed to me that that's where, that's where you were driving at. Um, so no. I'm sorry if I misinterpreted it. Could you please explain <laughs> um, in a more concise manner? <laughs> sorry, I was being comical there. I mean, because uh, I'm saying is this. Because you were talking about your son I, and you said, well... You know, if you're going to be trusted with this, if, you know, if you like flood cars, like you need to be able to understand transmission, you know, you started going on. And so like, to me, that sounded like you were saying before your son was allowed to drive that you want him to know everything about cars inside and out. And I was just asking you if that's what you were saying. Um, that's partially correct, but let me clarify. So if he wants me to buy him a car, we're not buying one. We're going to build one and we're going to build one together. If I'm doing 60% of the work, no problem. At the end of the day, he's going to feel like he built something with his own hands. He's a part of it. He, he takes ownership in it. He knows 
what can break. He knows how things should work. So when he drives that car, I can tell you now, he will drive it differently than somebody who didn't do that. Let's just hope he doesn't do the kind of things that we did in, in my car. You know what? If you're <laughs> my dad or your dad will talk about uh, physics and uh, how uh, the over the Wright brothers tried to fly uh, and that didn't work out. Actually, the Wright uh, brothers we were, were the ones that pulled it off. But at least, I, well, <laughs> there were a lot I of people think, before them that yeah. fell to their deaths. So. I think your goal could be accomplished simply by making your kid pay for his car because I just bought a van for the first time ever buying something like like a big purchase like that and I just paid it off and I can tell you that I drive that thing and take care of it and like I keep it in the garage like I treat it like a gem because I paid for it and I worked hard for it and I think that if you got oh. a kid who's working minimum wage someplace and they're saving up to buy a car I don't think you have to worry about them peeling out oh. and driving like an idiot <laughs> hell oh hell yeah bro uh, well, I had a Mercedes in high school E300 um, 1987 born it was made the same year I was born Parts were very, very expensive. I, bar- I barely knew anything about the car, but I knew this. If anything broke, my limited income, I had to pay for it. So that worked. But now, let's talk about pride. Let's talk about like a sense of ownership and a sense of like um, doing it yourself. That's uh, another thing that can happen as well. Uh, what you're suggesting, which is true, we can add to that. It can go deeper, in my opinion. I think it just comes down to like what your what your line is for that. Like your line is a little bit farther, where like transmission and all that stuff. For me, I would say I would make my kids save up for it and buy it, and then I would say, "All right, you saved up, you worked hard for this car. Now, do you want to keep it? You want to make it last a long time? Okay, here, let me tell you how. Change the oil regularly. Uh, always check this. Always, you know, go through." Just like the four things, very basic stuff. Make sure your fluids are good. Make sure you change the oil regularly, and then you'll be good. Rotate your tires, whatever. You know, it's, I do agree that there's some sort of ownership, but I, I think that as generations go on, it gets harder and harder. Like, well, let, let, let me ask you this, Vince. When you built that PC by hand, did you feel differently than if you would have paid for that to be delivered to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Sorry, finish your point. So, even I think even with my son, I probably I'll probably offer to pay for half of his first car. You know, when my dad bought his first car, he paid eight hundred dollars for like a brand new. I don't remember what it was. It was like a Malibu or something like seventy Malibu. Eight hundred dollars for a brand new car. That's how much they cost back then. And when I first started driving, when I was seventeen years old, my first car was three thousand dollars. And I got like, yeah. it was like a five-year-old 1994 Ford Thunderbird V8 dual overhead cam, a car that no 17-year-old should ever be driving with that much power and that much speed behind it. Um, but it was a very high-performance sports car, and it wasn't that old, and it only cost me $3,000. When my son goes to buy a car, a u- used cars are, are going to cost, it's going to cost $15,000 to buy a used car. And so for me to say that, well, you have to pay for that, when you know McDonald's is still only paying nine bucks an hour for the minimum wage, you know that's yeah. sort of like an unrealistic thing for me to ask. So, I got my uh, Bonneville five hundred bucks. I think I'm with you on that though, Vince. I'll probably do the same, at least pay half. That way, they still have to kind of earn it, but it's not unreasonable. <laughs> they yeah, they need. I, I do agree that there's definitely cases where kids are spoiled rotten, and their parents just you know. You see those, oh, like, shits. My Sweet 16 shows where they go out in the driveway and there's a bow tied around a brand new car. And 
And again, research, I research this stuff. Research does show that kids who are bought cars and they don't have to put any sort of ownership into them, they're much more likely to be reckless with them and get into wrecks and total them. Um, kids who don't have to pay for college. My dad's girlfriend right now, she's like on me about saving up for co- Sam's college fund. She's like, you got to start saving up now. You've lost seven years already. I'm kind of like, Not well. Not a dime. Not a dime. I was like, I paid for my own college, half with scholarships and the other half with loans. And... Um, not getting shit. And that's another thing. Research shows that kids don't pay for their own college. They're more likely to party. They're less likely to take it serious. They get worse grades. Whereas kids who have to pay for their own college, pay their own way through college, they work harder and they end up more successful because of it. So again, my whole thing around this whole discussion, you make a lot of good points. Um, but I, I'll, the way- I'll finish your thought for you, Vince. Uh, you helped me with this. I cannot s- speak in general terms. I can't say all millennials. I can't encapsulate a whole body uh, without diving heavily, heavily into research to see if that exists. Doesn't mean that the truth that I see as far as within myself with the people around me is not a lie. It, uh, that is truth. But when I apply it to a big, huge body, a mass of people, it's truth as you it requires a sense of respons- it's, responsibility. It's truth as you perceive it, yeah. Yeah, truth to you. All I know is it it did something for me, and if it did something for me, it might be able to do something for someone else. But you have a lot of good points. I mean, I think kids should be encouraged to think critically and to work hard and to learn things for themselves, and to be um, to have find some kind of service, find a skill that they can not only use for themselves but they can use to help other people. I mean, you, you make a lot of good points. So I'm not saying you're just like outright wrong in everything you say, but I think it's, yeah, it's just the overarching, a little bit prejudicial statement saying that this applies to this whole generation of people in general. That's a very hard statement to say, unless you're going to back it up with research. Well, how do you think we get this conversation? (laughs) (laughs) Someone's got to throw out something crazy. We got to have Aaron saying something obnoxious (laughs) so we can talk about it. Yeah. Aaron, I I do want to, I think we should do this. It'd be funny. So do you... I asked earlier if you have experiences with people like kids or whatever, where you feel like, man, why don't they know this? Like millennials or whatever. Does that happen like once every two weeks or something like that? Or is it, is it few? Almost every day. (laughs) Okay. I think we should start doing a segment, almost a somewhat regular segment called okay. Boomer with Aaron Collins. And I'll have a, I'll have a little (laughs) tune for it and everything. And you can just go on and it's kind of like Peter Griffin. You know, what really grinds my gears and we'll just let you talk. (laughs) We'll, We'll give you maybe like one minute. And you can come on and say, this is, this is okay, Boomer, with Aaron Collins. And then for one minute, you get to rant about what you saw that day <laughs> that some millennial did that pissed you off. <laughs> Almost every day. That's so crazy to me because that's, that, that's not my experience in life at all. Like, you know, I meet younger kids sometimes that seem unmotivated. But to me, that's just like what 19-year-olds are. I think it's just their psychology when they're that age. I don't attribute it to really them being necessarily lazy I think if you take that same person, look at them. Well, now, are there some people that are lazy throughout their entire lives and they don't ever go on to achieve very much? Of course, I've met people like that, but certainly not on a <laughs> daily basis, not even on a weekly basis. I very, <laughs> <I'll> ra- <tell> <laughs> you, I very rarely meet people like that. So, if you're meeting people like that every day, I'm wondering like how, like what kind of like what kind of people are you running into, and where are you finding these people? Because I, I don't. We're we're the white collar, like don't even dist- the, my profession secret, right? We're the white collar. Like, I'm telling you. Oh, uh, here's this is 
so funny. You guys are going to lose your shit over this. Oh, uh, hey, uh, how's, how'd your week go? Yeah, they replaced the water heater in my uh, house. Now, don't stop there, gentlemen. You got to ask them one other question. Did you do it? Or did you pay someone to do it? <laughs> Nine times out of ten, they paid something. Oh, wait, wait, you didn't do it, though. You didn't do it. It's like you paid someone to do it, which, you know what? Great. But don't take ownership over that. Like, no, no, you don't get credit for that. Sorry. I know my book's a little warped, but still. No, I agree. If somebody says that I did this, but it's actually they paid somebody else to do it, you know, that's kind of a falsehood. So, But I would I'm argue. Not, I'm with you I there. would. I would argue, though, if someone said, I had to have their water heater replaced or whatever, I still think they're more manly if they were able to pay somebody to do it rather than do it themselves. Well, well how about this, Dustin? They're definitely more financially secure if they can just, you know, do that. Which I think is the ultimate goal. I think the goal is to be more financially secure, not to know how to change water, water heaters. Well, question for you, Dustin. All right, you just, get, you just won the lottery. You've got money now. Current current year to date today you got you got a five million dollars would you still do what you're going to do would you still be out in that garage working on small engines or would you like totally say nope i don't want to do that i would say hell no would i be in the garage if i had that much money i would be figuring out ways to make that money make more money and then use that more money to help people you know it's really funny or help myself i've i've got blessed with a with a good job but i found out believe it or not with the more money that i make you're right i want to save more and i figured out that's why i'm diving into cars cars are money pits if i understand a car very well i can get a car dirt cheap and have high value low risk high return low risk I'm like, huh, before I just had this huge, the, the mindset changed once I got money. Actually, I want to be more frugal. Yeah, but I mean, if I had a million dollars, I mean, granted, millions a lot, so it changes everything. But like, I still would buy the $10,000 van that I have now. And I still would, all I would do is just change the oil regularly, um, make sure that I rotate the tires. That's about it. Not drive it like a psycho. And that van's going to last me a long time. And then with my other time that, I'm, that I have where I'm not changing alternators and fixing blah, 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 all that other stuff, I'd be using that time to take my money and make more money with it. See, here's the situation, Vince. Ready? You got a little glimpse out, my, out in my shop when you're rotating tires. You got your hands on some torque wrenches, some power tools. You rotated your tires. And that's real, real basic, right? Which, by the way, I've, to? I've, I've already rotated my own tires in the past. I've changed my own brakes. I've changed my own oil. So um, that's not the first time. Not I, with an impact drill. Not with an impact drill. Not with an impact drill. I could never afford one of those. But I'm glad. I, I'm actually, yes, I remember you doing that. You probably did that on your mother, mom's Jeep. Or is that the Thunderbird? My mom taught me how to do it on her Volt, Volkswagen. That's where Volkswagen. I, that's where I changed the brakes and calibers anyway. But I used to change my own tires, and I used to change my own oil on my T-Bird with a scissor jack, you know, putting it underneath the frame, wind, wind it up in a stone driveway, like stones, you know, so the, the jacks, like, slip in, the car's coming down on you, you know, it's like, I used to do that, so. Well, anyways. Ah, crap, I got sidetracked. 
we're well over an hour now too so oh. yeah i was looking at that um you were you were saying something there oh i got it now <sighs> once you got a little glimpse of like i'm selling it to you and for example i can also be sold i'm telling you some some portion of computers vince you can sell to me and i'm like wow this is awesome I'll get two things at, at the end of the road. I want to dive into it myself, or I will develop a vast appreciation for your craft, for your skill. I would just love I to get you to learn how to use Samplitude, because, you know, we could keep recording songs during this isolation. Okay. If you could record your own vocal tracks from your own basement, which already has acoustic treatment in it, you already got the mics you need. So... And then you send me the tracks. I can we could completely finish songs. Of course, Nick hasn't done any drum parts, so. Well, I you know what, I will do that. Not to sake that I'm being recorded, but <laughs> we got him. I will do it. Like I'll get it done. But what trumps that is <laughs> I definitely got him. I set your. Sh- I <laughs> record. You are snared um, by the. Words I want to definitely mouth. do it. Uh, I, I want to do it live and I want to do it in person. Like there's that, there's an element there, man. If anything, scratch tracks, like to give you to pitch ideas to, but that's a whole nother. All right. This was, I think this was a good talk and it's, I think Aaron still, I don't think we changed Aaron's mind per se, but that's no, no, I still feel the same I, way. I, Nothing, I, it's I, not a not damn thing has changed. I didn't expect it. Except for the whole, I didn't expect to change his mind. <laughs> Okay, well, no, I mean, like the whole global thing. Yeah, okay, I'll die it down. I'll get, I'll get to the state yeah, instead of the nation. So much. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm to the state now, so, so I'll have to do some research so on the just, state. So it's just Ohio millennials, as if that doesn't sound just even a- more ridiculous than the original statement. <laughs> Those bastards. <laughs> okay. Even though he's, even though he's best friends with two of them who know how to do like lots of stuff. I have a duty to myself first, then to others. All right. Well, hey, we'll wrap this up. This has been OK Boomer with Aaron Collins. We'll see a lot more of these segments in the future. <laughs>